The time has finally come, and now we are here at the second season of the Lindsay Morgan Snyder Podcast. Welcome back. Please take your seats. This season, your host will talk to all kinds of storytellers from right here in the center of it all, the place where dreamers gather, Hollywood. From actors to producers to creative directors and dancers, from pastors to models to music makers and Hollywood executives, we will be exploring what Jesus has been up to behind the scenes for decades and the exciting things that he's bringing to the forefront through his favorite Hollywood players. It's sure to be a great show. Also, speaking of great things, we are thrilled to share about Lindsay's new product platform where more wisdom, breakthrough, and joy are sure to be released. Check out lindsaymorgansnyder.com for more info. And now, welcome your host, Lindsay Morgan Snyder. Hey guys, I'm here with one of my very sweet friends named Adam Malka. He is the CEO, the co-CEO, right? And co-founder of Signature Tracks. Adam, tell us a little bit about what Signature Tracks does. Hey, thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me today. Um, first off, I just want to honor you um, and your podcast. Um, I think that um, you have an incredible way of bringing together talent and encouraging people. And so, you know, I wanted to talk today a little bit about yeah, so my background is I'm the co-founder, co-CEO of Signature Tracks. We are a music production company based out of Los Angeles. Uh, we produce and write music for lots of pop culturally relevant television um, and other media, including commercials and films, um, as well as online content. Um, I own the company with my two best friends, David Lastman and Russell Howard. Um, David is sort of the visionary of our company. He came up with the idea for the company. He's a showrunner, producer, and then Russell's just an incredibly talented, um, Grammy-nominated um, ASCAP Songwriter of the Year, uh, award winner two years in a row. And um, yeah, so we uh, essentially, we uh, brand, sonically brand, this, brand the sounds of most of the television that you may consume and watch on reality TV. Um, yes, so that might be almost... Everything you might hear on Bravo or um, shows like Siesta Keys in the Hills on MTV and The Price is Right, uh, The Bachelor, just a variety of different things. Um, recently, some cool shows that I really have enjoyed working on are Netflix's Rhythm and Flow, a rap competition series featuring Cardi B and T.I., um, as well as the new Zac Efron project that I believe is um, the top five this week for Netflix. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> Love it. That's so good, Adam. That is so cool. So I want to go back to your business partners because one of my yeah. favorite stories about you guys is the Forbes article that came out. And I can't quite remember the title, but it was something like why millennials should know that your best friends being your business partner is a good way to do it. Or I, I probably messed that up a little bit, but it was something about like why best friends make or why childhood friends make for the best business partners. So you and Russ and Dave have known each other for like how long? Okay. Well, awesome. You know what? I think the title was millennials. Here's why your friends make the best business partners. Um, so, by the way, I want to add a little surprise for Lindsay. She doesn't know I'm doing this, but since a lot of my background in training is putting music to picture, I'm going to be scoring some of the podcasts in the background. So we're going to start off with a very pleasant little uplifting kind of, it's kind of like an intro, kind of a podcast intro today with Lindsay Snyder. Um, okay, so to get serious, let's switch it up a little bit too. So your question was to tell you a little bit about my best friends and business partners. Okay, so... And how long you've known them? Because it's fascinating. You've known them a long time. Yes. So I've known David and Russell since I was 10 years old. We grew up in Philadelphia. Um, part, of, part of our moniker, our background, it's, it's really interesting. We all grew up with Kobe Bryant um, in Philly, in the Philly suburbs. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I met Dave when I was... Um, I transferred from private school to public school in fifth grade. And interestingly enough, I grew up in Philly. I was like the, the toughest little nine-year-old on the block. And I remember my brother came to like elementary school. He's older than me. And he was like, you guys don't know, like 
my brother's coming to school and he's like the toughest kid and like whatnot. So I think Dave and Russ, had, I had already had a reputation as like a little tough kid. <laughs> now that. I'm like a straight up soft, softy. I don't know if I've really gotten in any fights in the last 30 years. I was going to say, I but, can't really see you as a soft, or I can't see you as a tough guy. You're too not sweet. At all. Too not sweet. Not at all. Um, so yeah, so um, I met Dave and Russ, just like normal kids growing up. Russell was like always like the really cool kid, really good looking kid, had like, you know, he was like, had like, just like the sense of style and swag and stuff. And, um, and uh, he lived on the block from me. Dave lived almost, I mean, he, walking distance only a couple minutes away. So um, I remember Russ invited me for a sleepover or whatnot, and we just became all really good friends. The first couple months of me being in fifth grade, introduced into public school, I was in kind of like a sheltered private school before, so it was kind of like a new world for me. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, there's just been so many stories of us acting like little adolescent kids and creating kind of mayhem. And I was talking about this with my brother the other night, but it's just so funny because like David and I would always get grounded for anything we did wrong. We could have sneezed, we'd be grounded. (laughs) But Russ's dad was always like, oh, boys will be boys. And Russ got off for everything. So, I mean, even today, we just laugh about it. And um, so anyway, so flash forward. So we grew up together. I would have never had any idea we'd be working together. Um, And we kind of went our separate ways after high school. Um, When I graduated, I went to college in the Midwest. I decided I want to have a business degree. Um, I joined the University of Madison, Wisconsin. They had a top 10 business program. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, and Russ and Dave went to school in Florida. And it was like two different worlds. I remember I would go to Florida and visit them. And they'd be like, guys, check out this, this scene. And there was like raving and techno and all this stuff. Cra- cra- they were in school in Orlando. And it was like a, it's like a fun party element. And so was my school. But it's just totally different. But I remember they were really at a at that age, really infused with music um, and how, you know, how you could really, how it can make an impact and they're really engaged. Um, so I went to college for four years, got a business degree. And at the same time, Kobe invited Russell to move out to California hmm. to work on his rap album. Oh, wow. He was signed to Sony. This was at the time when like NBA players had actually put out albums, like uh, Shaq had something with this Fushnikins or something. And, um, so Russ came out here and Dave decided to just, both of them just decided to drop out of school and move out to California. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. I was like, these guys are crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm like going to be a, I will be like a very, you know, I want, I want to be like a businessman, you know? <laughs> and so I just was like, I'm going to finish school, but I would come out and visit them. By the way, change of cue in the background. <laughs> so I would come out and visit them and... I just remember the lives were so different. Like I was in the Midwest and the, the college kids in the Midwest, they were like all trying to be doctors and attorneys. They were kind of more serious. And that's how I envisioned myself. But I'd come out and visit LA. And I remember the first time I showed up in LA, Russ and Dave were like, come downtown. We're like shooting a video for Kobe. And it was a, it was a Hype Williams directed music video with a million dollar budget, literally. Wow. Like a million, like 700, like huge budget. And I look and I go there. And David's sitting in the director's seat. And I'm like, what is going on here? So apparently David was co-directing this music video with, with uh, Spike Williams. Um, and I was like, this is so much fun, but it's such a different world, you know? Um, interestingly enough, it was the uh, video shoot where Kobe met his wife. And it was it's just super interesting. Wow. So I was like, wow, California is awesome to come and visit. I'm going to go back to college, finish my degree. Um, at the time, Russell had, um, incredible opportunities. So, um, I remember hearing about this at one day in the studio, Jay-Z just came in to say, what's up to Kobe. And Kobe's like, this is my producing partner, Russell. Like, Hey, do you got some beats? Why don't you play some beats? And I remember just hearing the story just on the spot. Jay just like, um, bought two beats from Russell and changed his life forever. Um, okay, wait, I just because I know who's listening, like, tell us what a beat is. Okay, so a beat would be a, an instrumental track that's created that um, includes drum programming and sequencing, everything you hear except for the vocals. A lot of times artists will get, the, they'll just hear lots of different tracks 
this is how many huge records have been made. Like if you think of uh, Jay-Z's Dirt Off Your Shoulder, produced by Timberland, there's an iconic video on YouTube that actually goes into and shows his first expressions of like hearing the beat and just artic, you know, and him coming up with like a hook on the spot. A hook is a chorus. Okay, wow. So yeah, so, um, so Jay-Z purchased two tracks from Russell. He heard the instrumentals. He was like, these are great. Changed Russell's life forever. Wow. At a young age, he had a lot of success. I was like, that's amazing. That's still wildlife. I'm very, I want to be very organized. Um, and then so what happened was I graduated college and I was like, you know, I went to school in the Midwest and, and my brother at the time was out in California. We had a lot of friends out here. And I was like, I'm just going to come out to California. By the way, I'm going to cue California sunshine music. on the beginning of my podcast last season. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, cool. I have some friends in the music industry. They kind of hooked me up. Cool. <laughs> so I came out to California and um, and I kind of took the Midwestern mentality with me. Mm. A lot of my friends weren't as extremely creative when I first moved out here. and um, But I had an amazing, amazing time. Um, I decided to open up a sales office for a family business in, in Century City in Los Angeles in Orange County. And I was like, cool, you know, it's great. My friends are creative. I'm gonna, and by the way, um, I should mention that I was always, I always grew up obsessed with music hmm. and passionate about music because my dad's an incredible jazz saxophone player. Yeah, he is. Um, but, and I play guitars by lead instrument, but in college, I think I put it, I, I remember actually I remember the vision of me putting the guitar underneath my bed and putting it away. Hmm. So I came out to California and after three, four years of working in business and doing pretty well, I felt, I still felt kind of like a nerd. The reason I felt that way was I would go into an office wearing a suit and all this kind of, you know, it's like dressed up. And I just remember thinking and envisioning everything else that was going on around me. We're, we're in the city where this is a creative city. Yeah. Um, it's a hub of a place where just like, creatives from all over the nation, all over the world, come out here to pursue their dreams. So there was this FOMO feeling mm. that kind of, I felt it was really tangible. And I was like, wow, I need to like, I want to get creative. So Russell invited me to a studio. And I remember like just bringing my guitar and writing some tracks. Um, what I was doing was essentially um, playing a few guitar chord progressions, um, maybe playing some parts and he would make beats out of them. And I just remember this feeling of like, it just felt like very supernatural. It just felt like magic, just hearing for the first time, like ideas that I had written for a long time or just played by myself in my own room for years and years and just hearing them recorded and put in and actually given life and given structure. And that's what Russell did was he sort of gave structure with um, obviously he did, he did everything really. But I just came in with ideas, and but together there was a, a connection that we had that I feel still to this day has a special, quote, anointing. We yeah. can talk about that later. Yeah. But, um, so I just thought there was something special. I thought it was fun. Next thing I know, um, I get a call from Russ, and he's like, oh, yeah, Seal. Seal was in the studio today. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's going to be recording on the track we did together. And I was like. No big deal. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy, Seal. That's amazing. Um, so at that point in time, I just, something, a spark lit in me. And I was just like, I want to do everything production. I want to learn how to write, produce. I was 25 years old. Okay. And yeah, I just, uh, I just dedicated everything to writing, producing. Russell mentored me. I spent a year studying like drum programming. And, and back, this was actually back in the day. Importantly enough, I want to mention that I'm kind of of the generation that um, that rides a line of analog music versus digital. So that what that means is when I first started, like, and before me, a lot of music was recorded real. It was recorded live. Nowadays, techno with tech, with the right kind of technology, everything is in the box. Everything can be done on a laptop. Um, but at, at that time, you had to physically manipulate and learn how to the craft of working with lots of different hardware. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going on a bunch. <laughs> I love it. It's so good though. There's more to the story. That could it's, be, that's a part one right now. It's so good. I love it. It's awesome. It's amazing. I've heard some of it, but I haven't heard all of it. But 
Um, listen to this music. So here's one thing I didn't really understand. I knew you for years and I still didn't quite understand what you meant by like, we put the music on these TV shows. But now that I'm aware and have been friends with you guys for a while, I'll watch a TV show. And now I can tell what you're saying. Like when, when there's a dramatic part, there's all of a sudden this like music that comes in behind it. Right. And that's, that's like a part of what y'all do. Yes. In fact, that is. And, um, yeah, it's it's a it's what uh, what we do a lot of is in reality TV and television in general. Music plays its own cast member. It uh, it's the barometer. It's the temperature. It tells you how intense a scene is, how dramatic a scene is, um, how funny it can be. Um, often in reality TV, there's this thing where, as the audience, we're kind of it, the characters that we're watching. It's serious to them. But to us, it's funny. Like to us, it's, I'm just like, I'm watching one of our shows, 90 Day Fiance. I'm just cracking up about it. And, but to the cast, to actual, the person they're shooting, it's like really serious. So we'll do music that really has several genres in one. So we will do often a lot of dramatic, dramedy we call it. So it's it's comedy with a touch of tension. Mm. It works really well. Here's an example. You're gonna hear a mix of like, it's quirky, but it also is a little, it has a touch of serious. Here's another example. It's a little more skewing in the comedy lane. But there's a, we call this, this is comedy, but also dramedy, music. Um, so yeah, in TV, what we do is, we get hired to do produce wall to wall, everything you hear on an entire series, from the theme song to the, um, to, all of the entire underscore, including vocal tracks, instrumental tracks, sound effects, um, were actually, yeah, pretty much hired. And my background as a, as a mix of a, um, a lead creative, I, I interface and work with network executives and producers and showrunners to match their creative vision with our creatives. So we have a team of about 30 exclusive composers mm. led by Russell. Um, we have a few guys. One guy has won several Grammys. Another guy has four hit records. And, and what we do is... Um, from a series inception, we will design everything you hear. So often it may be a kickoff creative meeting with, like, for example, the producer of Vanderpump Rules, Sean Bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, he was um, Bill Langworthy, an incredible guy. He, uh, he worked on The Hills, which is just an iconic, and Laguna Beach, iconic shows for MTV. And, and when we first met, he, had, he conceptually had a really strong, uh, he knew exactly what he wanted to sound but he also want to introduce some new elements. So we kind of introduced music that was very current into the show, um, current pop music infused with a lot of um, kind of a little bit darker pop music for scene openers and act in transitions. Mm. Um, most of the shows we work on, we will really brand the scene openers um, are kind of like the hallmarks of the show. So you, you envision when like a show starts Act one, there's aerial B-roll shots. There's a whole feel and sound that's designed. So on a show like that, um, you know, it's been going on successfully for eight, eight, nine seasons now. Um, Yeah, there's so much in between, but we get all kinds of requests. It might be this character's having a meltdown. What kind of music will match this scene? Um, Right now, we we do all the housework I need meltdown. I need meltdown music for my own life. (laughs) Let me play some Lindsay. Some Lindsay meltdown music. Let's go. Okay, with Lindsay, we would want to do kind of music from the Inception trailer kind of sounds. Um, Is there a reason for that? Inception? I don't know if I've ever even seen that. Oh, that movie. It's it's a kind of an intense movie. Uh, it's a dramatic underscore. Uh, we would call that dramatic teasers. Let me see if I can find something that might match a Lindsay mood on a, on a, on a, any given day. <laughs> on a meltdown? Yeah, this would be like a meltdown day. Is that like... Was that yesterday? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> was there a meltdown yesterday? I don't think it was yesterday. It's maybe been a week, so I think I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Let's see if I can... My computer's a little slow right now. I love um, it. I will come back to that. No, that's meltdown so good. Music. That's so good. So I want to... Oh, he's got it. <laughs> this is Lindsay slash Secession, the TV show. Love it. Ha <laughs> ha 
this definitely matches a Lindsay meltdown episode. I can see it in my mind. That's like a so. slow meltdown. <laughs> this is like, okay, Lindsay forgot her her laptop to some events. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. So what you'll hear here are actually a lot of what I do though is um I use a pretty large music vocabulary that really a lot of what I'm doing is um, defining and finding ways to connect with our lead creatives and, and talking to them about music in a way they can understand. So there's just a huge music vocabulary, a lot of talk of dissecting instrumentation, sound palettes that, so for example, just this Kia, we're going to analyze that it. it's, there's sort of these sparse um, orchestral strings underneath a touch of electronic, which gives it a modern sound. And the music's driving and builds in pacing. Um, a lot of our music, we call this a cue. A lot of our music pieces or cues um, have to have a climactic ending and kind of resolve with a huge sting out, which is like a button ending that's used for editing. I don't know if this is interesting to anyone, but um, yeah, it's a little slice of my world. I love it. I think it's super interesting. And here's the thing, like a lot of people who listen to this podcast are interested in the creative world, in Hollywood. So I'd love to hear, I know this story, but I want to share with the listeners a little bit about like your transition from like business, Adam, to like this business. How did it get started? Like any tips that you have for people that are maybe kind of stuck in their business job or something that really desire to be creative, to make money being creative. I think that's a, that's a big deal. Like that doesn't happen all the time. A lot of people are creative and they struggle to like actually make a a living from it. So Mm. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have as far as that goes, or just even just your story of how it happened. Okay, that's great. Actually, I think that's a great question. Um, there was a time where I kind of had to like step out of the boat. I remember I was, and so to continue my story, um, I decided I want to pour everything into production. But I had to find a way to pay the bills. And I remember calling my mom and being like, look, I love this. I want to pursue this. What do you think? And And I will say... I feel very blessed. I had a mom that championed my my dreams, mm. and but she was a my mom was a businesswoman. And she understood, so she was like like Adam, I'm going to support you um, emotionally. She actually helped me financially in my twenties. I remember, which I'm really grateful for. I honor her today with that. And um, but she said, look, look, do what you love, pursue it absolutely, uh, but just find a way to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, And what I love about like, it just was really special to like, I think, I truly believe that the the things that are sparked in our heart that we have passions and desires for, I do think they're roadmaps, Mm -hmm. that God-given roadmaps that are meant to lead us into a direction. And if we follow them, I think it can be very fruitful. I think fear can get in the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I kept, I was really practical. I kept it balanced. I waited until I felt like there was a time, there was an opening to do it. Um, preparation definitely met, like there was a lot of preparation and, but, um, yeah, I, I think like an important thing is having a praying mom. So I remember mm-hmm. kind of like putting some time in a prayer with my mom of like, I had felt like this, like what I wanted to do, I think needed a move of God. It needed doors to open that only God could open. And, and so I remember just having a praying mom really helped. There were several times we prayed. I really believe the success of our company is linked to these two formative years that my mom and I spent a little bit of time praying to God. Um, about blessing my career uh, and opening doors. And so uh, it's really important that I honor God in what I do and make sure that I steward the blessings that I have and give back. And there's several ways I've been doing that. But my advice is to really pursue what's in your heart, but don't, but don't um, keep constraints on, on what it might look like hmm. because God's really creative. So for example... Um, I thought that being a music producer meant I was going to be touring with Coldplay. I was going to be writing with these artists. And that's absolutely what I wanted to do. In fact, I was in a group and it's this incredible group that we had an opportunity to, and um, that didn't land. And it was, it was really a blessing that it didn't. And I would just say, and so what happened was what took shape was actually even better than I could have imagined. And it's, I'm incorporating all of my background, my experience and my 
passion, but it's just in a different, it looks, it's packaged differently than I thought it might have looked, but it's actually even better. So what I would say, my encouragement and advice is to pursue anything you're passionate about, but don't um, put it in a box. Love that. Kind of let God direct the way, but pursue, work on what's fun and what's free. So like for me right now, it's not, I'll work like seven days a week because I enjoy doing it and I don't always do that, but I think it's important to take a Shabbat, to take a rest, but you know, it's so amazing when you can do what you love. It's not work. So that was like a key, key factor for me. I don't take it for granted because there were many days I went nine to six in an office. And so I just feel very blessed with that. But that is some advice I would give. I love that advice. And Adam's even given me that advice. I mean, Adam and I have been friends for like five years. And we met actually at church here in Santa Monica. Um, But being a successful creative, I've asked Adam these questions and and he's given me really good advice. He's like, what do you love so much you would do for free? Or, you know, just questions like that. And um, he's really helped me with my career. And so I'm very grateful. So take his advice. I think it's amazing. Um, so let, so you've mentioned a little bit about your faith. Um, <laughs> here comes some background music. Cue, uh, cue, cue faith-driven cue, music. Cue faith-driven music, says the yeah, uh, producer. Um, so you've talked a little bit about your faith. You've mentioned a little bit about it. So talk to us about that part of your life. Okay, great. I appreciate that. Um, I think my faith is kind of the centerpiece of my life. Um, you know, I'm Jewish and I have a daily practice um, of reading scriptures, um, praying, meditating, uh, being around community. Um, I had a radical experience um, reading the Gospels as a Jew that can be considered taboo. But I remember reading the book of Matthew and I, I truly believe the Gospels are kind of a, um, it was written by Jewish people, I think initially for Jewish people and also meant to spread around the, the world. And it's been amazing. Uh, for me, I just, I felt really convicted. I had a radical supernatural encounter with Yeshua, with Jesus when I was 20. Um, I wasn't super public with it at the time, um, but I, the first five years of um, feeling this encounter, basically, essentially I felt an encounter. I felt like um, God just sort of invaded my physical being in space with love and mm. kindness mm. and no religion and no judgment. And it was through reading the Gospels. And and so that white light encounter I actually genuinely had, I, I can't ever deny it because it, it was based from um, my mind just truly believing that um, Yeshua came for me and could remove me from my shortcomings. And I remember saying a prayer, just asking God to forgive me for things that I didn't even like in myself. And and I just remember getting filled with love and it lasted about a year and a half initially. And I remember God, it's kind of interesting because people say God told me this or that, but there was a, just a deep stillness and knowing of God. I remember at one point asked me kind of like, hey, what what can I give you? And I remember asking for wisdom and it was just crazy. There was discernment and wisdom just, it was like a physical encounter with that, that, um, and I felt fully empowered and full of joy for a period of about five years in my initial beginning relation, personal relationship with God from 20 to 25, 26. Um, and so, yeah, um, my mom passed away suddenly six years ago, and it was a time period where I decided I had been never in any kind of church environment or anything like that. I was really kind of one-on-one with God for so many years, but I decided I wanted to be around a community of people that believe the same way that I did. And so that's when I met Lindsay. I had all kinds of radical encounters. Um, It was also the birth of this sort of modern-day worship music, which is essentially like one of my greatest joys is to listen to music that I'm already inspired by, but that has God's presence on it. So I kind of, a big part of my journey has been um, really... um, experiencing the power of God's presence on my greatest joy, which is music and sound. And, and so there's a really great passion project I'm working on now with this artist, Ivan, who I met in New York and he's incredible. And, um, it's been, uh, it's been like an amazing experience. So it's a little bit my journey. I love it. And I love the story of, of Adam and Ivan. I'm going to tell it just a little bit from my, from my viewpoint, but, um, so I think every, 
Christian who's a creative that's just like worshiping or doing their cre- creative, you know, outlet for the Lord, like it would be the dream for let's say a producer to walk in to a church while you're doing your thing and to pick you out and say, Hey, come, I want to take you under my wing and I want to develop you. And that's really what happened with Adam and Ivan is Ivan was at a church in New York. He was just like serving the Lord, worshiping, leading worship. And Adam would come every Friday night just to to be in God's presence. And he saw this gift that Ivan had. And now he's taken him under his wing and they're they're working on some stuff together. So I just like, I'm like, that should be a movie. That's the greatest story ever. Um, are you going to play us any of Ivan's music or? Yeah, I think that'd be great. Okay, cool. Okay. Did I leave anything out of that story that you think is uh, fun to tell? Um, well, yes. My, I went to New York. Um, my company had uh, formed a strategic partnership with this company, Downtown Music. It was an incredible blessing. Tell us, what's Downtown Music, like for those of us that don't know the music industry? So Downtown Music is one of the world's largest independent music publishers. Um, they own the music from John Lennon's catalog, Miles Davis, everything, Ryan Tedder, Benny Blanco, incredible, they have incredible producers. Um, they're just an amazing company uh, that pursued um, forming a partnership with us. And, uh, and last year I moved to New York and was between LA and New York while we were uh, in the inception of this deal. Um, so the company also is a really incredible ecosystem of music technologies. They collect and monetize uh, advertising on YouTube and all kinds of unique stuff. Wow. Um, essentially we formed the deal to work with more A-level, A-level artists and to kind of level up. Um, it was another stepping out of the boat kind of moment because mm. this is, um, really t- 11 years after owning signature tracks, we got a lot of accolades. Um, the New York times wrote a piece about us which uh, brought us a lot of attention, which was amazing. And um, when Russell won the Songwriter of the Year Award, uh, which was a really big accomplishment. And so, um, yeah, entering that deal was really scary because this company has been our baby. And so to share that and watch our baby kind of graduate high school, go <laughs> to college, um, was really um, incre- It was really scary. But the second we kind of stepped out of the boat, it just walking into something that was sometimes people have this challenge of walking into something that's incredible for them fear of failure or whatnot but in this case it's like a fear of abundance and i've had i've walked through these fears of abundance like for me as i watched everyone kind of grow in success and my friends i still was staying in my apartment by the beach and i remember when i first bought my first house in la i was like scared to move into this abundance and lindsay you and i would like talk about it and we we like hung out in front of the house we hung out in front of this house right before i moved in and it was the second i moved in it was more abundant and so um yeah the downtown deal was it was really great so i was in new york and um I wanted to be around community and people told me about, about this like sort of Friday night worship set. And so for people that don't know, there's a lot of really cool um, people that go after this sort of spontaneous expression of, of uh, music, of spiritual music. And I sort of have been like this connoisseur purveyor of like really great uplifting music. What Really the reason why it's so important to me is when my mom passed away, I needed to spend time in nothing but um, encouragement, in nothing but, you know, speaking out my future is going to be greater than my past, no matter what I've encountered, no matter what is in my, is in the way. And, and so I engrossed myself around the music for a year and a half. And so it led me to this place in New York. And I went into kind of, it's almost like a well, it's underground, it's in downtown, like, I don't even know, you know, just getting there. I'm like, where am I? You know, it's like, it looks like I'm in Gotham City, downtown New York. So I remember showing up on Friday night and it was like about like 30, 40 people and they're all kind of going after this sound. And a lot of it is, it's it's a band, but it's two lead singers that are sort of expressing themselves in the moment writing music. And I just love it because it's like, it's just raw, kind of gritty and raw. And I just remember hearing this voice and I was like, whose voice is that? <laughs> Um, I actually have the first voice uh, voice note that I saved in my phone Aww. of something that I heard from Ivan so I can find it and play it for you guys because it was like a spark I felt and I was like this guy's amazing I want to work with this guy so let me show you 
and stuff like that. I love that. And so we'll have to have Ivan. I think you might have some connections to Ivan. Yeah, that's we'll have him on the show. <laughs> we'll have him on the show. Yeah. No, I know Ivan and he has such a pure beautiful heart for the Lord. It's so powerful. I love that. I love that so much. So this is separate from Sig Tracks, right? This yeah, is so this is so this is a little another me stepping out of the boat kind of thing was I remember, you know, um Deciding I wanted to work with them, and I and I felt like wow, this is incredible. I mean, I I made sure I shared this with my partners and kind of I um, it was something that just sort of organically happened. And I I also th- I also think it's really important that I started working on it. What happened was I remember feeling like it was really important for me to get do something was that was um, a part of like that recognized. Um, and f- the reason why I got in the music business was to create and inspire and do something. I always wanted to create something that could capture someone that, mm. that could do something that had emotion to it. And nowadays there's so much technology and the music. And, and if I could spend hours spending time looking for music on Spotify and feel no emotion. And so mm. when I was younger, a lot of the music that I think I grew up, it just had a feels to it. And so mm. that, was what, that was my goal with this. And it's really inspired everything I'm doing with my day-to-day with signature tracks. Um, so yeah, I'll play a little taste of a, uh, a song, give you guys a little preview snippet of the song called Insatiable. Oh, yes. So here we go. that song um so i also want to talk a little bit about signature grace which Mm. is really kind of how adam and i got to know each other so after we met at church he invited me to this bible study that he and his friend had and uh, it was really close to where i lived at the time and so i came over i wasn't really sure what it was but i've been there about five years minus ministry school um, and it's it's one of my favorite places in LA, and the reason it's one of my favorite places in LA is because it's the most vulnerable place in LA, where people can come and just share where they are, and with no judgment, and it's very very healing, and that's very unique for a city like LA. So, you want to share with us a little bit more about Sig Grace? Yeah, awesome. So. Um, Signature Grace was formed uh, about four and a half years ago. 
I was in a grief support group I joined um, after my mom passed away. And it was a group of uh, amongst my peers, about 10 people in the group. And we spent about six months meeting every couple of weeks and just sharing what we were going through. Met a lot of people. We were all going through similar losses. We had lost a parent. Mm. My friend Nathan had a double whammy. He had lost his, his um, dad and brother within a couple of years. And wow. we bonded really quickly. Um, and I remember Nathan was like, had this kind of way of talking about God that was completely out of religion, but it was really healing for me because he spoke about, you know, uh, as a Jewish person, you know, there's this tendency to want to go back to the law. When I go back to performance, okay, if I perform this way, when I get to heaven, everything's going to look this level, I'll be at a higher level of heaven and all this stuff. And, you know, when I met God one-on-one, it was just so much love and acceptance. And so... I'll have a tendency to count my own shortcomings and pile them up and keep a list. And so I remember when I met Nathan, I was like, well, you know, he spoke over me something. And I just remember, I felt like bricks kind of came off my shoulders. I was like, he's special. Um, and so I wanted to, initially I wanted to host a place in LA that was sort of entertainment, you know, people in, enter- in entertainment. And I wanted to find a place. And we went to my business partner, Russell. Russell is extremely gifted he's a great speaker he's very profound in what he speaks he's done an immense amount of work on himself and he's 18 years sober in recovery so we basically decided to host a sort of 12-step recovery slash bible study um at the time though we just were kind of we the format was like we have a speaker and, and, you know, I think we've had, we've hosted up to 60, 70 people at a time there, but on average, it's, it's an intimate group of about anywhere from 10 to 20 people that meet weekly. Now, this is part of what Russell and I did to serve the community because we, we host it every week at Russell's home studio on the water in Marina. It's really beautiful. We bring in food. We've never taken any offering. And so it's just part of what we do. And it, interestingly enough, I want to point out, you know, um, when you do service for for God, like he he can give you a high. I feel there's a high honor when you serve people that that are 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 heartbroken or needy. I believe he he insta- he gives you a high honor, and I and I learned a lot about that when I um, did some work in Africa for three years in a row, and and so basically we have a speaker. We start off with meditation. Sometimes we play music. We play music and. There's an amazing kind of thing where there, it's not an outward expression to God, as some people can see in church, but in the meditation, we're all in the group sitting there listening to music uh, for about 10 minutes introspectively. And you can feel God's presence tangibly in the group. In the group. Oh, yeah. What I think what makes Grace special is we have a speaker, but then after the speaker, we go around the room and everyone shares what they're going through. Obviously, there's tons of stuff online about this and people have written about vulnerability creates connections. But I also think vulnerability creates connections with God, with higher power. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability in a group setting with higher power allows God to um, help us in areas that we're powerless. So I look at the room as a big a room where I can kind of throw my cares, the things I can't, I, that are big, too big for me to handle before other people and God. And then God supernaturally can really do work and help. And so the groups, have been, it's been amazing. Um, Nathan left and kind of started his own Bible study, and we, we really um, are excited for him and, and encouraged, and, and we want it to be very successful. And so, yeah, there's been an evolution in the past two years. And, um, yeah, our, our brother Jerome Fogel, who's an incredible, is an incredible leader in our group now, as well as Lindsay, um, our friend Raina, Russell as well, is really growing. And, um, yeah, it's something that we really enjoy doing. I love it so much. It is. It's one of my favorite things in LA. I tell people that all the time because it is kind of this cross section between like Jesus and recovery. And I've had, you know, a good 10, 12 years of, of experiencing Jesus, but I needed a lot of healing in my own life. And so to come into a group that has this like cross section of like, it was about Jesus. Like when we say meditation, that kind of freaks some people out, but it's not that kind of meditation. I mean, like it's like usually worship music and we're like just sitting there with God. And there's been times where I'm struggling so bad with things and I'll come to see grace and like I just feel the presence of God so heavy there. Like during meditation, I'll just start crying or I'll, I'll talk to the Lord in meditation and he'll give me clarity about things. And I just, yeah, I agree. He totally honors 
Um, just even y'all's like, I think you've missed like one or two in like five years. I mean, you guys have just been so, so consistent and just even when, you know, Russ even jokes, he's like, even when I don't want to show up, I come and I always feel so great after. And it's just true. Like, you know, we all are like, oh, I don't know. And then we go and it's just, it's just one of my favorite things about LA. So I'm so grateful for you guys that you do this. And sometimes there's some regulars, people come in and out. It's a place where you can invite anyone. Everyone's welcome. You don't even have to believe in Jesus to come. You just come. And, and a lot of people have met Jesus there, right? Which I love. Like, Yeah, we've had people that have had encounters with Yeshua. Um, several people have actually, what I'm most proud of is people have come there suicidal. And we have found ways to really just love on them, make them feel unconditionally accepted and I mean helping someone who's at such a low place and and in all honesty I understand what it feels like because you know when I lost my mom suddenly and I went through a horrible breakup all within six months my brother moved out of the country I know what it feels like to be tormented and, and to be stuck in in a total you know at a loss so um we have found ways to love on people and um, yeah, that's like, for me, it was a few weeks ago, someone came and I knew she was going through something and we all got to share with her and you could feel and see her countenance change over a period of the next couple of weeks. And sometimes it's like, it's all it takes is one person or a group that cares to make someone, you know, you never know how alone someone feels. And, um, I, you know, I just want to share, it's really sad because someone that I work with in production recently, um, may have taken their life and um and I would have never have guessed that you just don't know what anyone's going through and so you know we want to open our arms our hands to anyone that's desperate sad or needy and I want to encourage anyone um you know uh, Lindsay will post details for signature grace on this podcast and it meets every Tuesday and you know we want to lift up anyone that's going through any struggles yeah, I love that. You guys are so sweet and so kind and they always they always feed us and I just remember like even not having any money at one point and I was like, but I can go to I go to Sig Grace and like they always have sweet food there. <laughs> Which sounds kind of funny, but it's real, you know. Yeah. Sometimes in LA things um, get a little sticky. So yeah. um yeah, I love Sig Grace. It's one of my favorite things and Adam is super generous and he's helped me so much personally and he has a a beautiful, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the orphanage in Africa or I don't know how public you can get with stuff, but yeah, no, I can share. Um, so when I was going through a tough time, I moved my dad down to Florida and I remember going to this church. It was a little small, tiny church and this lady preached and I was like, I could see in her eyes. I was like, wow, she has a love of God in her eyes. She just felt, you could feel this wholeness. And, um, I got to talk to her. Her name was Karen Denham. And uh, I found out more about this lady and, you know, she um, had a radical encounter with God when she was 40. She moved to Palestine and Israel and started preaching to Palestinians. And she's been beaten and car bombed and left for dead. And I mean, she's unwavering. Um, mm -hmm. I really think she's like a modern day Mother Teresa. And she sort of took me under her wing. And I remember I'd call her and she would just always be there unconditionally. And she gave me tons of jewels and she kind of essentially discipled me. So she had me, she really, I walked out a period of uh, about a year and a half. I didn't date anyone. Um, I sort of consecrated my life to total healing and being around community. But I would also read scriptures and declare scriptures over my life. And I just remember she was instrumental. And, and so I remember telling her, I'm not feeling great. And this is, I'm still struggling. This is really hard. It was a year, you know, the first year was tough, but the second year was harder. Mm. And I remember... You're talking her, about after your mom passed. Yeah. yeah. And I remember... Um, I remember her telling me, listen, if you serve the lowest here on earth, God's going to give you the highest honor and, and you need to get out of it. You need to leave the country and let's do some work at a, in a, at a place where the poverty level is so bad that people maybe are able to, to earn a dollar a day and... We ended up going to Nairobi. Um, I did some work in the slums in Nairobi. Uh, it's about a million people living in very, it's really horrible conditions in uh, total poverty. And we got to set up feeding stations there. We got to, um, um, and what happened was uh, her and I had this dream and this, we just talked together about 
what would it look like? By the way, we also went into the prisons and that was amazing. Um, and I remember when I first got back from my first trip to Africa, mainly which was just quite a journey of, of nonstop action. She was connected with the government. We went into the, we did all kinds of really cool stuff. I also got to do safari. That was amazing. Um, but I remember coming back and just feeling completely different. And there was this change, but it was, I felt the hand of God was pleased with me. And I felt that it seemed that and felt that my reality changed. And so I truly believe God is with the poor and broken and contrite of spirit. It's written about in Psalms. And you could feel God's presence in hand over the country where people don't, they can't afford to go to doctor, right? They, their faith is instrumental. They will pray. They can put poor in prayer into healing. And so you could just feel that. I remember I came back and then Karen and I spoke about just different strategies and so much fun. What can we do? How can we help? What can we, and so we decided to, um, she had a really great, really incredible person donated to her uh, ministry and she was able to buy a house in Nairobi, which we decided to start uh, its first uh, orphanage of its kind in, in, in Nairobi that is primarily and exclusive, actually exclusively for um, orphans um, that grow up in the prisons. Mm. So um, to elaborate, um, in Africa, it's really crazy, um, in the prisons, the kids will actually grow up in the prisons with their moms. Um, that have life sentences and they're there until they're four or five and then they have to be sort of shipped off remotely or, you know, there's a lot of child trafficking that happens. And so some of this is a rescue mission, but um, we are bringing the, the children out of prison and bringing them into an orphanage. So that orphanage is pretty, uh, is opening very shortly and um, it's just been a big part of uh, just um, something on my heart to do. And um yeah, there's a lot of work to be done there. So if anyone wants to get involved, please feel free to reach out directly to, to me. Wow, that's so powerful, Ad. I love that. And, and you've worn that Africa bracelet that you have on right now for as long as I've almost <laughs> known you. <laughs> it's True. so special. It's so good. It's so good. Oh my gosh, I just love, I love it. I love talking to you. I love hearing your whole story. It's like so, so special. Mm. Um, trying to think, like, what else? Is there anything else we're missing um, that you just feel compelled to share? Yes. Yes. He says, I yes, feel, yes. I actually feel like this is... Before we do that, we're going to have a little segue. <laughs> I think we should ball out for a minute. What does ball out mean? Let's, let's do a little baller music. Oh, a little baller music. Okay. <laughs> all those looking for provision open your hands just kidding hey hey yo no we're not gonna wrap today we're not gonna wrap today by the way that's an incredible producer we work with his name's mark cricken um yes yeah, so um one thing i just want to share for creatives is two little tidbits i always share it like our company dave russ and i we speak at ucla and a lot of different places and anytime we give press um i like to put this in there because i think it's really important in entertainment, two things I've, I've learned that are, I think, so important is, one is people like to work with people they like, hmm. people that are likable. And I just remember, you know, Dave is part of our company and he was uh, uh, the driver of our marketing arm the first five years. We were in operations and he's so likable. Everyone likes him. He's easy to deal with. He's, he's happy. He's pleasant. If he writes an email, doesn't get a response, he's cool. Write back another email in a few days very pleasantly. You know, communicating, and it's just people like to work with people that are likable, number one. Secondly, people like to work with people that are easy to work with. Yeah. So, for example, I remember the first couple of years, we'd get contracts from clients. We're not redlining and changing up anything. We were like, cool, we're down. Mm. Let's take on these first gigs for free. Let's, let's, let's get our foot in the door. So, we always just make sure we're really easy to work with. I think it's just two factors that are like very important and that's usually kind of like the main advice I give someone who wants to step into any role. Um, but yeah, so that's those are my little tidbits. I love that. I hope that helps someone. Yeah, that's amazing. It helps me. I love it. Um, so to wrap it up, I would love to have you pray 
over our listeners and bless them with whatever you feel the Lord leading you to to do. So, yeah. Let's go. Yes, let's go. go. Okay. And by the way, Potential could do a follow-up podcast um, talking about various gifts related to people that are walking in their gifts and ministry. I learned a lot about it. But so for me, one of them I've learned is kind of a gift of interceding and praying over people. So thank you for asking me to do that. I love that. And I just, yeah, that would be cool because you went to do some ministry school out in New York yeah. when you were there with some, with some amazing really people. Great. And really Adam, Adam does have an amazing gift of um, like a prophetic gift of like seeing pictures over people. And actually, just before you pray, um, I had asked Adam because I really respect him. And I had asked him a few months back, I said, Adam, would you ask God for a picture for me of what he wants me to do with my career? And we were in the car driving and he goes, I just see a picture of a, like a cassette tape and it's, it's recording your voice. And then all of a sudden you go, podcast, podcast, that's what it is. You're supposed to start a podcast. So Ooh. probably wouldn't have been sitting here doing okay. this if it wasn't for Mr. Adam. So that's thanks, amazing. Adam. It's amazing. So amazing. So to add to what you're saying. Um, a lot of what I've learned is kind of really interesting is I think so many of us have these gifts, things that kind of happen. We have dreams, we see things. And sometimes that's just how we think we're operating in life. And often they're really gifts that God has instilled in us to primarily help encourage and edify other people um, to walk in their giftings, to walk in. And so, yeah, so the, for, as I've kind of worked on this, it's been refined. So like, for example, I will release something I just saw over you yeah. today as I ask God. So, so I actually saw a peach. And what's interesting is I just didn't even make the connection right away. But then afterwards I realized you're from, you've spent a lot of time in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a connection potentially with work and some type of synergies, if I was to ask God further, with people from Atlanta and some connection. And, you know, and maybe it's you in, in a certain season of your life, perhaps doing work there, perhaps. Um, I do believe, I think you're called here, but I just saw something. So that's something we could we could further kind of think about. Pray on. I yeah. love that. Thank okay. you, Addie. Well, okay, I know cool. you, your words are always very special to me. So okay. they've been on point most most of the time. So I love it. Thank you. Okay. So yeah, I just want to open up this prayer. We just invite uh, Holy Spirit into this prayer. Um, I just pray we, we invite the Ruach HaKodesh. And, and I just pray um, to anyone that's out there right now um, that hasn't had like a tangible encounter with the living presence of God that may be a skeptical I just ask God to move right now in a really unique, special way. I pray the physical presence of peace and love feels really united in all of the listeners' hearts. Um, I just pray that your love will just flow and touch them in a unique, very unique, special way today. I just pray, God, that you just break, um, just break out creativity amongst the listeners in new ways. Um, during this season, I just pray that there's excitement and joy um, that's released as more and more people are walking in their callings. Um, I pray, God, also that you open up doors for each one of these listeners that only you can open up. And But I also pray that you put people in each one's lives that can encourage them and lift them up even in prayer together. Um, for anyone on this prayer, on this podcast that's going through um, challenging, difficult decisions right now, I just ask God that you make that your still small voice um, whispers in their ear tonight, even through a dream over the next couple of days, something something that gives clarity and that feels peaceful. And so I just pray for peace over everyone here. Um, yeah, Lord God, I just pray a hedge of protection too during this time, which is really, can be really scary. So we just pray um, protection over this country. Um, and we just, we thank you, God. Um, I thank you for the gift of your son. Um, I just pray, and it seems that, God, you've taken a lot of people out of churches. There's not really much church meeting now. Um, but I just pray that you find ways for everyone here to, that um, can share the love of you with other people. But um, I also pray that you instill courage for people to walk out the dreams that they have. And that you help them to step out of the boat. And I pray that you write a beautiful love story that will encourage them and that will lead great testimonies from today. And I pray all this in Yeshua's name. Just bless Lindsay too. I want to just bless this podcast and what she's doing. And I thank you. Amen.
Amen. Thanks, Addie. So good. So good. So good. Well, we'll talk to you on part two. Wow. Can I, some, can I do some outro music? Yes. Before the outro music that you already gave me, yes. I'm going to do some Let's outro. Do Thank you. We are going to outro. We're going to outro, you guys. This is going to be good. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's main event. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for next week. So tune in again as the curtain rises on another Hollywood story. And don't forget to check out Lindsay on all the normal social media platforms, as well as on the YouVersion Bible app and lindsaymorgansnyder.com. As a podcast listener, use the promo code LOVE to get 50% off of all Lindsay's digital products. My name's Nathan Madden. As always, it's great being with you. Thanks again to our friends at Signature Tracks for the beats. Until next time.